Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast. My name is Dan O'Rourke and along with me today is Father James Mallon. Hi everyone. And next to him is Ron Huntley. Good to see you, Ron. Good to be here. Awesome. Well guys, this is our second podcast since we did the relaunch uh, last week and one of the things that came to my attention was that we, we neglected to recognize or even tell people that there's actually two <laughs> ways to, to get the podcast now. So there's the, the audio one, which we've been doing for, for a long time. So if you're a subscriber to our audio podcast, you'd still get the audio version. But we've also got a video uh, version now. And we're actually in studio with video cameras. Yeah. So, so please be patient with us. You know, so I think last time, Dan, we were saying, for those of you watching and everyone's listening, saying, what are they talking about? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> Something I don't know about, so we kind of messed up on that. So for all of those of you who are listening, and for those of you who are watching, uh, welcome. welcome. Yeah, we're getting used to it ourselves. There's a, there's a lot of, of awesome and improvements, I think, in changes, but it is it is there's some newness to it all, which is kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. So, so guys, what's been up in the last week for both of you? I know one of the things I'm really excited about is we continue to talk to more dioceses about coming, helping them with their transitions, and I, I'm really excited about that. You know, I remember back when we did the podcast on, you know, to bishops and just kind of encouraging mm. them and speaking into those things. You know, we've had a heart for this stuff, but no kind of venue, and so we tried to do the podcast and loved mm-hmm. doing it, but took a risk, and here we are having these conversations with dioceses, and just the thought of helping dioceses think through what parish renewal would look like and how they can come alongside is so exciting to me. You know, well, one of the things in our, in our goal, and we did talk about this last week, our new website and the, the click to commit and our goal over, you know, over the next 10 years to inspire and equip 35,000 parishes. It sounds insane, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, but here's the thing, that that's going to happen, God willing, not through addition, but through multiplication. And I remember a couple of years ago, not a couple of years ago, it seems like a couple of years ago, <laughs> but probably a year ago, Ron, t- saying to you, you know, when you made the shift from directly coaching parishes to coaching coaches, as well as coaching some parishes, saying, can you imagine if we could develop something at a diocesan level? Because then you, then you multiply impact. Yeah. And I, just a, a shout out to Father Jeff Lorig and his team in Omaha, Nebraska, who were the first diocese that I knew who kind of took this on in terms of, of forming a team of, of people who kind of would be coaches to go out and help parishes. Now we've got four parishes from, from that diocese in, in our network. And uh, the other, uh, the diocese in Wollongong in, in, in Australia, just outside of Sydney, did a similar thing. So it's just amazing mm. to see that. And, and that's how multiplication is going to happen. So we're really excited about that. You know, it's interesting because I was talking with one of our coaches in the network, Bill, who's doing some work with his diocese. And he mentioned to me this week that they've had two specific meetings. In the second meeting, they defined their core customer as a diocese. And so I was really interested. He said, you're going to be excited to hear. I said, what was the answer? He said, it's priests. Our core customer is priest. And we realize what our number one responsibility is, is to set them up for success, help them to grow in their leadership and their ability for impact. I thought, wow, like, I don't know. I haven't heard diocese talk like that before. And maybe a lot of them are, but I just thought that was so exciting. It's part of a, part of a bigger change in my, my work at the, at the diocese. I've been doing a lot of work this week there. I've got, you know, two jobs. But in a lot of meetings, and it's very exciting. I mean, it's both exciting and scary. We talked about that on our last podcast. If you hadn't listened, haven't had a chance to listen to it, please do. We had John Stevens with us, who works with with the diocese. But in a conversation this week, it was said that the fact I think it came from the bishop that we're going to change the name of the of the chancery. So you know, the downtown bishop's office, which for decades we've been calling the the Catholic Pastoral Center, the CPC. Uh, they're suggesting that we call it the support center. 
Though I don't know if we'll actually ad- adopt that name, but just just putting that out there and, and changing the, the kind of thinking, because in many ways for decades the message has been, okay, you parishes, we want you to su- we want you to support what we're doing. Yeah, we want you to point. send your people and your resources, and in 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 this plan of of change to help parishes become missionary and to help support priests and their leadership, the 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 Catholic Pastoral Center is is stepping into that identity and, and desires to be a center of support for the real pastoral centers. What are the pastoral centers of a diocese? That, the parishes. That's that, so exciting. That's on the front line. But if you think about it, that's uh, an, an embracing of, of a missionary identity at the top level. Yeah. So instead of being inward focused, they're outward focused. Why? To help parishes move from being inward focused to being outward focused. That, so ex- that, that makes my day. That's a crazy shift. That changes everything. It, it, that changes everything. And it will probably change how priests experience the diocese. And 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 because when things are healthy, thing, healthy things grow. You say that yeah. healthy things grow. And so if we're able to make that shift, or people are able to make that shift, and they feel supported, they feel valued. People who feel valued and feel supported thrive. Yeah, and that's what we want to help people. A do. couple of years ago, when we launched our, our coaching network, I know we as a team we decided it was really important that when a parish applies, that they actually have the support of their bishop to go right. down this path. And what's so fascinating was when we did that, it was like, okay, no, you, we, we, we respect the hierarchy of the church. It's important that the bishop be supportive, and we're also hoping for long-term placement, long-term leadership of that pastor. But what's, what, what we're starting to see now isn't just that, that bishops are giving an okay for, for a pastor to move ahead. They're actually getting engaged and wanting to be interested. I mean, we talk to a number of different mm-hmm. dioceses now who are actually getting excited about the possibility of, of divine renovation in their diocese. It's a total shift in terms of the communication or the conversation. Because before we were just asking for permission, and now all of a sudden, instead of just getting permission, we're getting invited into in, in significantly, and it's, it's a complete shift. Had a, a, a coaching session last night with one of my pastor's cohorts, and it's the it's the one we've got a couple of priests from Australia, a couple from Omaha, and a couple from Halifax. Yay. So, and but one of the priests from Australia was was sharing with us, and he was very. It was uh, in the context of sharing a a, a a breakthrough, and it was a conversation they had with their bishop around sacraments. Uh, we've talked about that a bit last time, but. They went to meet with their bishop to tell them about this new approach to sacraments. Again, not that they're going to be saying no to people, but but saying to people, let's help you get ready. It's no longer sacraments on demand with no strings attached, because that, of course, is an oxymoron. Uh, If we actually live what we say we believe about sacraments, especially the sacrament of baptism, which is initiation into the life of the church, you know, how, how can you, how can you, the very idea that you could bring your child to be baptized and have an expressed, a complete, a, an expressed intention to have no involvement with the church. <laughs> it's like, are you really asking for baptism? Anyway, but but the, the, that maybe the, the the possibility of of saying to a, uh, a couple, well, let's help you get ready. Um, and we went to see the bishop, and the bishop said, you have my full support. Praise and God. they had their first meeting with uh, with uh, with couples and had some conversations, and of course. Uh, a number of people took the steps uh, and a number of people just self-selected out. And mm. so you're always going to have that. But what was significant was that they, they went to see the bishop and had, and had his full support. And he even said, if you get letters, if I get letters of complaint, I will support you. Yeah, he even said so that to them. Because eh? yeah. nothing more t- takes the wind out of your sails more than thinking you're going in a direction with support. And then the person whose support you think you have undermines you when somebody complains. Mm. Like that mm-hmm. just... Oh man, that hurts. 
Yeah. Uh, that actually hurts. Yeah, it's difficult. And so that's really exciting. Those things are happening. Listen, something else I wanted to share with you that I'm really excited about is, and we've been struggling with it, and we'll still struggle with it. There's a tension here, but we know, and mostly, Father James, you've done a lot of work in South America and stuff, and a lot of people are trying to implement the principles of divine renovation as a model in their churches. And so we're working with a couple of people in Mexico right now to see if we can't develop some coaches who speak yeah. Spanish. And that's going to open yeah. up a whole new world. Now, there's a lot of cultural issues we're facing there, too, because they're, they don't have staff. Most of them, they're culturally, they don't have staff. They're not used to paying for anything. Ron, Ron, let's remember, <laughs> we, we forget, the, because of what we've experienced, we forget, like, I was looking at some stats recently at a major diocese in the U.S., and it was, you know, percentage of, par- of their parishes, like they've got, like, over 400 parishes, uh, what percentage actually have password, a staff member beyond a secretary and a janitor? It's like 2%. So it's like, let's, let's not fool ourselves. Let's not fool ourselves. Most parishes in Canada, many parishes in North America don't have past, full-time pastoral staff other than the priest. Fair enough. And, and not to mention Europe. So, mm. yeah, let's, let's remember that we sometimes, we are, our, our perception of what's the norm out there is sometimes... Uh, a bit jaded. It's a good point. Yeah, I got called out on that when we went to the, our own diocesan meeting there a couple of weeks ago. It's like there, there's a filter that we have that I specifically have because you do a lot more work mm. with pastors as you travel around the world and, and do different things. And I work mostly in the network in, in, in St. Benedict Parish. But, but I think you you are onto something, though, because although <laughs> the reality in many North American parishes is that there aren't any pastoral staff at least most North American parishes are aware that there are parishes who do. Whereas yes, in true. Latin America, it's so rare that it, it's virtually, uh, it's, it's just not even considered a possibility. But it's a very similar thing in the UK. Very, very similar. That yeah. It's so rare in the United Kingdom to have uh, lay, lay staff workers working in pastoral ministry. And it's so much so that it's not even, it's like, how is that even possible? Mm-hmm. It's not even on, on the radar of, of what can be possible. Well, it's interesting because I remember one person saying to us, like, divine renovation is actually creating a job market. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> I never thought of that because people yeah. are starting to think differently. If, if they want to lead different, if they want to inspire and support ministries, they need staff. And if they need mm-hmm. staff, they need to hire. And they can't hire but, priests but, because they're not... Well, we're not, well the, the, the thing is that it's one of the things that, Ron, you've d- driven home o- over the years, and I've certainly discovered... It's gone from my head to my heart, but but everything, if a renewed parish is driven relationally, everything is rooted in relationships, evangelization, discipleship, community, all of the key elements that make a church healthy, driven by relationships. You can't support people in small groups. You can't support people in ministry if, if you don't have key people in place uh, to drive those relationships full time. People say, well, why can't you use volunteers? Well, yeah, of course. But it's, it's, if, you don't, if you move away from a clerical model of staff, you know, hiring staff to do the work of ministry rather than raising others up, you're going to need uh, full-time staff in order to mobilize and support a whole church mm-hmm. of missionary disciples. That's just a fact. Unless the priest somehow thinks he can he can support all these relationships himself, which is I was talking to um, to one of our uh, to our partners in Europe because we're looking at doing a conference in in France in 2019, and we're talking about well who who should we get to go and speak like what what's the blend of of, of presenters, and uh, you know I, I hear this time and time again and it's it it, it it's funny because they think that Europe is just so different than Canada. I know. 
because they, they lump Canada in with the United States in terms of the way the church culture is. And, and we're not the same as the States. Yeah. We're, we're more secular than, than the United States. And we're not is. proud of that, by the way. No, no, we don't say that with any degree of pride. And we love Americans. Oh, we totally do. We love, we I mean, like, Americans. honestly, we'd be, you know, we do. I, I, I wish our culture was more Christian in the way that, that the American culture is. I mean, they're, they're closer to, to the heart of, of Christianity culturally than I think that we are. Uh, but what, what's fascinating to me is because I was in this conversation with, um, with our partners in France, and they're like, well, can you have someone from Europe come and present? Because, you know, everyone looks at Canada and goes, oh, well, you guys are still in a Christian culture. And it's like, no, we're not in a Christian culture. No. And so it, it's something that we have to battle with. And, of course, at St. Benedict, because when we talk about our parish, everyone's like, well, you've got this big staff. And it's like, yeah, but we're not even the norm in Canada. Like, that, well, we never is, used to as well. Right? We, yeah, we, we, we didn't used to. I, I remember when the they were editing the, the book in French and when I first saw the... The Bible? The, no, sorry, Divine Renovation. Divine Renovation. You know the the book that this podcast is about. Anyway, um, they they come up with uh, they changed the title to uh, Manuel oh, yeah. de Suivre de Palois, Parish Survival Manual, and the front cover was like a first aid kit. And I I was horrified when I saw it. Like I was like I was actually quite upset. It was like they even read the book like they don't know what's inside and I spoke to the editor and he was making a case for the choice of it that, that it really spoke to the to, to, to the market and he kept saying you know it's not the church in France is not like the church in America and I said well I'm, I'm, I'm not American I'm Canadian yes yes my dear American friend said, <laughs> I'm not American I'm Canadian yes yes and it's not like it is in America and I just gave up after a while <laughs> But so there is that perception for sure, and mm-hmm. you know, all credit to the to the Artege, our, our French publishers, is that the books went like hotcakes. If the, the 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 French people loved the title, and uh, although I did see one comment on Amazon.fr saying the title doesn't match what's in the book, oh really? So that was, yeah. 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 was that the comment one you left, or? <laughs> yeah. But Ron, you you were I sorry I kind of cut you off. You were talking about the. The Latin American thing, I didn't get to let you finish. Oh, no, no, well, fair enough. I didn't even recognize. I just got caught up in our conversation. So, But, yeah, we're really excited to work with some people, yeah, and we're going to explore that relationship. And we're also going to try to figure out culturally how do we do this and, you know, what can they afford, and then how do we supplement that maybe through our donor base and people that might want to come on board and help us mm. to do that because, you know, we, we need to be sustainable too. So we're trying to figure that stuff out. So I'm excited to do that. You know, one of the other things that happened this week, I was excited. Just yesterday I spoke with a church that was at the MAC conference or the Mid-Atlantic Congress in Baltimore with Father Simon and I. And uh, they've uh, made an application to be in the network. Oh, great. And so we spent some wonderful time uh, talking with them yesterday. It was just so great to hear Father Dan's stories and his heart for Christ and his heart for the church. And and uh, he works with a, a lay person as one of his key evangelization people. And I love what we do. You know, it's so exciting for me that we can get to work with these people who want so desperately to make a huge difference. It, I find it very humbling and thrilling and exciting. And, and now that we have, uh, you know, four other coaches currently, actually five now, <laughs> in our, our network coaching with us, who people are also in the trenches making parish renewal a reality, I, it's so fun. 
Yeah. yeah so last week, um, I, I have a question for you, but last week I had to, um, had to, that's the wrong way to phrase it. Last week I had the privilege of delivering the Alpha Talk at St. Benedict Parish. And um, anyway, so I've, I've given this talk twice now, and it's actually, it's a difficult talk emotionally for me to give because I delve into some personal stories that some of them are, are, are emotional. And, uh, but I wanted to get your reflections. I think you've both given Alpha Talks in the past. Uh, do you find them to be... When you give an Alpha Talk and the way you prepare it, do you find that it's beneficial to you? Do you see the be personal benefits as well as the, the benefits to the people who are there? So one of the reasons that we move to live speakers uh, is because giving a talk, when we speak about our faith, our faith grows. When we speak about our faith, our faith grows. And that's why we have connect groups and we try to have all kinds of platforms at St. Benedict Parish, like giving testimonies and all these other things. Because when we speak about our faith, our faith grows. And so, yeah, absolutely. I grow every time I give a talk. I give giving one at the weekend this weekend and I can't wait. Hmm. Uh, I've given the talk before, but I'm, every time I give it, uh, it it's so cool. I, I think as well. I mean, just for those of who of you who are listening and those of you who are watching. <laughs> hey, well done. <laughs> you know, again, we take for granted in our alpha here that our alpha is live talks. But for many people listening, you might be thinking, what? What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. I thought alpha was a video course. And, and you're right. There are many ways to experience alpha. There are, there's a new alpha film series, which is phenomenally well produced. There's the, the, the latest videos with Nikki Gumbel speaking before a live audience in a more traditional format. But there are some churches that actually do live talks, including HTB, uh, the, the parent church where, where Alpha originated from. And we do that. We do live talks at our big Alpha, at our other Alphas, like uh, daytime. the Daytime Alpha and maybe Alphas in, in the prison. I know in the prison they, do, they, do youth, they use the Youth Alpha series, uh, but in other locations they use the videos. And we moved, was it the third year, the fourth year we moved to live speakers with the, big, with the large Alpha? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. I can't quite so, remember. I, so, I, I mean, remember it, the events, but I don't remember it, It's the not date. something we rushed into. We, did, we waited until we had, you know, raised up people and identified people who, who had that capacity, and we really spent a lot of time developing those people. So we've now got people who are, you know, been on team and, and grown through Alpha, and all they've known is live speakers, which is really, really cool. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the thing for me when I do an Alpha talk in relation to your question, Dan, is the biggest learning for me is not just you know, speaking, oh, I kind of do that for a living, but <laughs> it, I remember the last time I did an Alpha talk was our, was our fall Alpha, and I think we had 45% of the guests were not churchgoers. So that is the biggest challenge, because even though we, on weekends, I mean, I like to differentiate between how I preach on a weekend and how I preach on weekday. So weekday preaching is you're, you got fully committed Catholics, you can, it's a different genre. Mm -hmm. Weekend is, you're, you're trying to preach in the awareness of, of people who might be on, on the outside. But when you get 45% non-church goers <laughs> at an Alpha Talk, again, that's another, that's another step up in terms of, okay, how do I speak and, and, and address all my underlying presumptions and all my tendencies for insider talk and to speak to people on the inside. So that's the beauty in, uh, that, mm. around, uh, around th those, those talks. Well, and that's what I love about Alpha. That's uh, why we always say, like, almost like, if, if, you're, if you're running Alpha just for your church people even to get it going, like, call it a taste of Alpha. Don't, don't actually call it Alpha. Like I, because Alpha is always going to be done with a sensitivity towards people who are not members of the church or not active in the church. Well, it's one of the big things we have to deal with when we're coaching speakers because 
a lot of us, if we've been in the church for a little while, we have a whole different language, and we don't even know we have it. Yeah. And so when people prepare their talks, a lot of times they're making all kinds of reference that we have to carve out. That's right. And because we're trying to help them be more and more sensitive to, there's all kinds of denominations here, and there's all kinds of different backgrounds and beliefs, and they're not all Christian. And so it's we, we are so unaware that's right. of the language we use. It's funny. And so yeah. that's what also changes our culture in our church. We become more aware of other people and the fact that they don't use the language we do. And the more mm. we become aware of that, the more hospitable we can be. That's right. Yep. Yeah. That's right. I find with, with uh, and I've given this, this is the only Alpha Talk I've ever written, and so it's the only one I've ever given. I've given it twice, and I'm, I, I'm hoping I don't have to give it again, but uh, uh, but what, what people remember are the personal stories from That's it, true. right? It's the uh, it's a, it's that, that personal element that they, um, that they that they take away, that I hear about like a week or two weeks later. I, I know the story that, so I tell a story about jeans. I was going to say, that, that's exactly what I was yeah. <laughs> right? People remember the jeans thing. And I, I, so I re- like the, the jeans in your, in your DNA? No, like the, denim jeans. Oh, Dennis, yeah, okay. so it's a, it's a big part of what I talk about at Alpha because I believe <laughs> I'm, I got to come and hear this talk sometime. It's a good talk. Well, I'm hoping I don't deliver it again, so you might not have a chance to to to, to hear it. But it, the denim thing is what people often will refer to. It's funny, but because I expect that the questions, the small group that that Alpha at the Alpha evening, I, I expect the questions to really let them drive in onto the theological points, like they're made throughout the the Alpha talk. Course, but yeah. but what people remember is often like the personal anecdotes, and I think that's probably one of the real benefits of of having a live speaker, right? Is it makes it human. It humanizes things in, in a really cool way. And so it's an, it's an interesting thing to aspire to. Yeah. Uh, so today, we've, we, uh, we're going to bring in a guest again. Yeah. Now, uh, just like last time, we, we scoured the world and, and tried to find the best possible speaker. Well, we scoured <laughs> the world twice. <laughs> and this time, we also found someone local which is, is, is helpful for our, our, all of our tech gear that we've currently got on the go. Uh, as, we, as we continue to grow and expand it, we want to make it uh, simple for the early days, and we're going to get more complicated and scour further afield later. But I think we picked the right person to join us today. She's someone from the St. Benedict Parish team, Kate Robinson, and so she's going to join us in just a minute, and we'll have a conversation with her. Excellent. And we're back with Kate Robinson. How are you doing, Kate? I'm well. I'm so glad <laughs> so, Kate, what's you your current job title at St. Benedict Parish? Oh, so I'm currently known as the Director of Communications. Director of Communications. Yeah. And I know you do a whole lot of things under that title. Yeah. Not all of them communications. Some of them are expanded beyond that. But I, I know what one of the things we were hoping to talk to you about a little bit today is sort of your journey into that role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exciting. I mean, I came to the parish over seven years ago. Um, I had taken a few courses with Father James Mallon and was learning about faith and had was he learning faith. about faith too? That's she she no. was my best student. Oh, she was. You have to say that. I remember correcting the other, not correcting, but reading the papers, and I was like, "Who is this person?" It was like it was. It stood out. It was that's like very kind. That's cool. Yeah. So it. Um, it's kind of interesting because I grew up in one of the three parishes that made up St. Benedict Parish and uh, in a wonderful Catholic household. Um, and essentially, I uh, there was a job opening for a secretary. And so I was working for an IT company at the time and spending quite a bit of time actually in the new church, um, often praying in the chapel at lunchtime at my job and wondering if I'm, it might be time to make a change. And so I ended up applying for the role of secretary because I just felt called that maybe um, it might be time to look to work in that capacity of, you know, work in a church. And I was excited to um, possibly work with Father James. Did you remember the one Saturday morning at yeah. the end of our class? So <laughs> I saw Kate and I was like, 
you know, I'd really love for her to apply for this job. And I, I remember I pulled up the car and I rolled down my window and you came over and, and before I could say it, you said to me, I applied for that job. And I was like, very good. <laughs> yeah, so that began a, a very exciting journey. Obviously, Rom was on board um, part-time in a part-time capacity. So encouragement out there to parishes if, you know, you think, gosh, we don't have the staff that mm-hmm. St. Benedict has. Um, and in ways we, you know, we worked with what we had. We didn't have that. There were probably five of us maybe mm-hmm. on staff and not all full-time even. Um, and so, yeah, started as a secretary and it was an incredible, the first few years because it was the throw everything at the wall and see what sticks to a degree um, journey, yes, which yes. was necessary for cultural transformation. And so sustainability as a value is a little bit. Sustainability <laughs> was, was <laughs> not <laughs> the most important. We were we early were, days. We were growing in our appreciation of sustainability, <laughs> but it was fun. It was lots of fun. Chaos. Yeah, Spelt with a K. Yeah, holy chaos. I don't know, I don't know I where that came from. That was, chaos was weird. That was weird, yeah. Chaos, yeah, exactly. No, so that was, uh, it was it was wonderful and a wonderful opportunity to grow and learn. And um, eventually, like, I've always had a heart for communications. I'd had previous jobs in communication. And so um, just as you facilitate change and as you look to change your culture, communication is such a key aspect mm. of what you're doing. Um, and so thankfully, Father James, you know, at one point was like, I think we need to look at moving you into communications full time. And so that's that's what we did. Remember and how many times we got it wrong, like before we yes. got you out. Like, remember how often we just really disengaged a lot of people oh. by accident because we didn't think that way and you know you're you evolving into that role really helped us think more thoroughly about communication because when you get that wrong you can unintentionally disengage people i think too i mean obviously when i if i read books about change management and church renewal you see the focus on communications but we we were in some ways making up as we were going along and it was not so much the fact that we'd heard about this or read about it, it was just a feeling that mm. we need to communications is the oil of of change and it's like you know i think we need to add more oil and 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 we've got to over communicate and the irony was that as a parish we ended up having a pretty robust investment in communications Mm -hmm. more so than even some larger um diocese even yeah 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 and i i think that was absolutely it played a a fundamental Mm -hmm. role in 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 focusing on on the why behind a lot of the changes Absolutely. I look at the ways we, you know, we've grown into streamlining things in many ways, but we did make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> I remember one particular time we, we used to have a weekly bulletin and we often, it was chocker block full because we had so much going on. And one bulletin, the font was size eight. <laughs> so it was essentially illegible. And afterwards, I, I remember looking at it and thinking, magnifying glass. yeah, oh, we, we should have distributed magnifying glasses with the bulletin. <laughs> at the end. Um, and so it's fun because there was through mistakes, there's learning and growth and, um, opportunities to, you know, apologize and, and beg for mercy from the people. But it was, it was, yeah, it's been an amazing journey. And I think identifying as well, Kate, who are the, who are we trying, fundamentally trying mm-hmm. to reach with each, each type of communication? I remember about six months ago having a conversation with um, a staff member of a, of a Canadian diocese, and he was telling me that the diocese made, did something amazing, and that was that they, they got a server and were helping all the parishes to have to have a website and they were going to be uh, providing a, a kind of a, 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 a template, template. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they had done all this work. And I asked the question, 
so who are you who's your primary target for your website is it people who are active in the parish or people who are who are not active in the church and I remember he paused and thought oh my goodness <laughs> Never we didn't even ask that question wow we put all this energy and this, this is a great guy you know like but we put all this time and energy into into creating this tool of communication and we didn't we didn't we haven't even asked yet the question who are we trying to reach mm-hmm. who are we primarily tr- trying to reach with this tool it's such a good point because we take for granted often that that is the key fundamental thing is to be missionary with all the things that we do in all the aspects of our communication and it's a really significant change and a shift and oftentimes we're used to the things we like we want our parish website to serve our need we want our yeah. parish bulletin to serve our need i can find the lecture schedule it should be on the lecture schedule should be on the front page as soon as i go to the website <laughs> <laughs> we want our thing announced for our, you know, and so, um, yeah, it's it's an amazing, um, it's a it's a significant change to move towards intentional communication around reaching those who aren't yet with us. So, Kate, okay, not only do you do communications, I think one of your your most important roles, frankly, at the parish is that of leader. You're mm-hmm. a leader. You sit on the senior leadership team. You've been part of of the formation of that team mm-hmm. under Father James, and now under Fa- Father Simon Lobo. Uh, I, I'd just be curious to talk a little bit about what, what, what it's like to be under two different types of styles mm-hmm. and, and maybe even just sort of the early days of the senior leadership team. So I'd love to get some of your thoughts on that. I wonder if, do I have to leave the room for this? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, we do value honesty and bluntness on the podcast. Well, so. What a relief. This new guy's great. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of just even when you said that, Dan, you're a leader, I you know, uh, react, but it's been an amazing blessing. And for the first, um, the early days of senior leadership team, you know, we'd spend three and a half hours, four, five hours on a Tuesday afternoon together. Um, I know initially I was very tentative and often felt, you know, nervous and probably didn't, didn't speak a whole lot or was uh, unsure. And then we just continued to grow and grow in trust. Um, and then ultimately, you know, our goal of making the best decision, um, and so huge learnings for me along the way. One of my favorite things and one of the things I would really recommend to senior leadership teams is when to do a book study of some kind. Hmm. You know, we've taken up a few of those and uh, I've learned so much through those What does a book study look like on the senior leadership team? So for us, what we've done is we've chosen a book that we all think could be very helpful, like Crucial Conversations, for example. And then we divide it up. Everyone presents on a chapter and then we have a discussion, usually quite um, engaging discussion around the theme of that chapter and... Um, and yeah, it's wonderful. It's lent itself to a um, lot of key learnings and uh, Where growth. would you place that in your SLT meeting? How long would it take? So typically we're doing it at the beginning, fairly mm-hmm. early in the beginning, and usually we spend half an hour, okay. yeah. no more. And now what's neat too is we've incorporated that into our teams as well. So, um, you know, I have a mm-hmm. communications team with an amazing group of guys on that team, and and we, we're doing book studies now on, on our in our team meetings. So yeah, I think that's it's what nice. I love about the culture of the parish, and, you know, we probably need you need to be intentional about that is as well, mm-hmm. but the, the, there's a culture of learning mm-hmm. in leadership. You, you can't lean into leadership unless you're, you're intentionally taking time to learn. Absolutely. Um, well, and one of the, you know, I heard, overheard us talking ahead of time, the, the junior communications people, I'm thinking, oh, that's, that's an interesting title. But then Father James says, yeah, did you hear? They actually have young people. So tell us about that. Like, talk oh. about leadership pipeline and mentoring. Like, holy jumpings. Well, I mean, 
I've grown so much in, in and have a lot more growing to do, but in terms of initially coming on board and doing a lot of the communications myself and then um, trying to operate out of a team model. So now we prepare a weekly or sorry, a monthly magazine we call Benedictus, where we share the amazing stories of life transformation happening in our parish and in our midst. Um, we also include each month um, a story on one of the Divine Renovation Network parishes, because we love to hear about what's going on there mm-hmm. too. But we have what's called the Junior Benedictus team, which is um, three young people who are very enthusiastic about also sharing life transformation and stories. And they meet, you know, and come up with an idea that they'd like to present. And then they they craft the story together and they, they love it. Um, just recently, I heard one of the uh, members of the team, she wanted to speak, she felt called to speak about reconciliation. And so she wrote a piece about how if you're walking your dog and your dog runs away, when your dog comes back, you're so excited to celebrate that the dog returned and you're not <laughs> upset with the dog. Anyway, just a beautiful <laughs> Great story. story about mercy and, and love. And, the parable and, of the lost dog. Right? <laughs> I'm going to insert that into Luke chapter 15. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's incredible. And I think for me, what's been an amazing learning is just the way that people are so willing to share their gifts. Mm. And, you know, they've got incredible gifts. We have an amazing photographer on our Benedictus team. Um who, you know, is so generous with his time and his talents. And he, you know, so we're, you know, a picture uh, is worth a thousand words often. So we, yeah. you know, we have wonderful no, photos that we and can share. And he's tried to raise people up. Like I know Hannah, yeah. my daughter, he, yeah. you know, really tried to encourage her. Like there's just this culture of apprenticing Absolutely. and raising yeah. up. I remember other John gave us a very high end camera gear to yeah. one of the young uh, women in our in our parish in our youth group and, and helped to mentor her with yeah. taking taking pictures. Kate, if for those listening and watching, uh, <laughs> they'd job. like to check out the Benedictus. Mm. Uh, how, how can they take a look? So at if copies? they go to our parish website, Saint Benedict, and the saint is spelled out, SaintBenedict.ca, and if they look under the tab Media. They'll find it there, mm. so they can click. And they, yeah. we've kept all the issues. So there's back issues at the bottom, so you can have a look I, and see. I love it. I always, we always remember when we first had this idea. We said, wouldn't it be amazing if, if our monthly, what we still called a bulletin at the time, imagine a bulletin that you could put on your coffee table mm-hmm. that was glossy and attractive, and you could show to people. And that's exactly where mine is. I've got a, I got a, I've got the the latest one on my coffee table. I love well, it. Well, we we actually went recently as a as a team, the two teams. We went to a, a local coffee shop just for fun as one of our, our our meetings. And lo and behold, on the shelf of this coffee shop was a copy of Benedictus, Stop and it was it. kind of dog eared. And, <laughs> awesome. and I was yeah. like, brilliant! So someone had obviously pla- we should go around me, town and like plant put coffees. them in places. Yeah, yeah all I've doctors' <laughs> offices right? in the waiting rooms. Yes, great oh, idea. I know people on the team we'll get the junior the junior bit Benedictus to go out there and blitz. They'll the, deliver blitz the town. And they would be enthusiastic about it. They are not shy to talk about it. So, Kate, one of the things that it's it has been so much fun because we you know we've been working at St. Benedict almost as long as Father James in, in some yeah. sense, and I'd be interested from you as well. Like, how have you grown? Because you mentioned at one point, mm. you know, executing and doing a lot mm-hmm. of it yourself. Like, talk a little bit about that because I know a lot of churches that uh, connect with the Divine Renovation Ministry. Mm-hmm. They, there are a lot of great doers. Mm-hmm. If they do have a staff, they have a staff of amazing doers. Talk a little mm-hmm. bit about your evolution and what that's sure. like. Um, I relate to that very much so because I'd definitely be someone who, you know, likes to be a doer. I'm more, I, some of my gifts lie like in administration and whatnot. So it's been a, um, such a great learning and a stretch for me to invite others into doing and to try and lead those who are doing um, and create, you know, and even look at supporting people who are helping others who are doing. So 
yeah, I mean, the, the fact that I'm now, um, you know, have a team that, that I support and work with, and they're incredible, gifted, talented people who are sharing in many different ways. Um, and just trying to learn to support and, and let go and not, you know, not feel like I have to do, mm. do things, but I can, you know, come alongside people who are actually better at doing a lot of the things and, um, you know, have new and creative and exciting ways. And, you know, they, they are sold out for the mission and want, you know, want to make disciples too. So it's, yeah, it's been an amazing journey, um, constantly learning about how best to, to support and to, be open to innovation and ideas and uh yeah it's it's been an incredible thing but it is a challenge I guess for me in some ways initially because um to shift from wanting to take on more myself and doing more myself and to to letting go and letting others do because they're more equipped and that's leadership that's Mm -hmm. leadership right how do you like what are some tips because Mm -hmm. you're not alone I would say the majority of people who do find themselves on a parish staff Mm -hmm. are are not leading teams. Mm-hmm. What advice would you have that would kind of like what one or two mm-hmm. steps or is it a paradigm shift in your mm-hmm. brain? Is it behavior that follows? Like how does, how, how, what yeah. advice would you have? It's a good question. I think for me, it was a matter of kind of starting small um, because mm-hmm. as Father James said earlier, it's, it's all about relationship. So um, relationally, I started to, you know, talk to, to people, for example, like our photographer, you know, we, we had, he'd been in some of the same courses with Father James, um, that I was. And, and so we knew each other already and he started sharing, you know, oh, he's got this gift for photography. And it was like, wow, okay, well let's, how can we engage you on that? And then now he's become, you know, currently he's just brought along someone new onto our team who, like he's done in the past, he's mentoring this person. So when they're taking photos for events, they send them to him. Mm. He's he does all the you know the editing and everything. He just takes care of it from start to finish. And he's gonna, you know, I'm pretty sure there's gonna be an entire photography team That's that incredible. will be brought up through him. Oh, I love it. You know, <laughs> and so and it's and I think another um, <laughs> example or what I love you guys spoke earlier. Dan was speaking about his experience of doing an alpha talk. You know, this um, this idea of people giving talks um, like what my connect group we've had recently, one of the youngest members of our connect group has, you know, went to her parents and said, I'd like to give a talk at connect group. Um, and so and they said, sure. And she sat down on the computer and wrote a talk and she's prepared to give it. Um, we've had other young people give talks. And so it's this culture. She? So she's nine. And we've had... Nine? <laughs> nine. Yeah. That's awesome. And what's amazing, recently, you know, at one of our connect groups where a 10-year-old gave a talk, and complete with slides, and you could see where they're, they're inspired by the preaching. You know, I could see that she was very influenced by Father Simon and Father James's use of slides during preaching. <laughs> um, you know, and, and she gave this wonderful talk with beautiful insights on, you know, can you have the Holy Spirit? Um, you know, can you, oh and, it, and yeah, it, it's, <laughs> but it's amazing. that cultural piece. And so where I think young people are, are seeing it and are excited about the possibility that mm. speaking about faith is something they can do too. Mm. Well, it's interesting because so many people too find that this is so foreign to them. They don't know that you can get from where they're at now mm. to this place, but we weren't always no. like this. Not no. even, not even that's our right. staff. No. Yeah. Yeah. Our staff meetings, we couldn't do those things. No. I think that's always so important to underline. You know, those of you who are listening and watching, uh, <laughs> just to remember, you know, cause the tendency sometimes is to listen to something like this mm. and, and have those two simultaneous feelings like, Oh, this is so, so exciting. It's so inspiring. And then, you think of your parish and you're like, oh man, this is so depressing. Mm-hmm. That's what daunting. I used to experience. Mm-hmm. Even even when I first started at St. Benedict Parish, mm-hmm. those those dual things. And 
and to just to know to be patient with yourself don't be mm-hmm. overwhelmed like just one step at a time one step at a time you know yeah. set set goals don't don't exhaust yourself you know absolutely don't do what we did yeah you, you gotta work hard for yeah. sure you gotta work hard but but just being please be encouraged don't don't be discouraged mm-hmm. yeah. by because we continue to discover this continues to evolve and we're we're in year number eight exactly. of this journey yeah and i mean i know you guys drive this home and it's so important i would say the most fundamental is for the pastor to bring people around him mm. um you know in terms of just for that support mm. um that, and that's been my experience of you know the initial senior leadership team and what that looks like and then now that we've transitioned and have a you know the the team has a different makeup and what does that mean and what does it mean to have a different uh, dynamic in that in that group and the importance i mean several times this week we've said to one another as a team like i'm so grateful that we are in a team that we have each other that we're supporting one another through challenging decisions being made and 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 whatnot so excellent well kate it's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today uh there's a couple things that come to mind and not only have you have you journeyed in in your role at saint benedict parish but you've journeyed in your role at divine renovation we've had you as a a coach on our leadership Mm -hmm. sessions in the past so for parishes in our divine renovation network uh they've had they've been able to experience some of your own coaching and and that gets me excited when i think of that you now you're coaching not just a team at saint benedict you're actually coaching Mm -hmm. teams all over the world through our network. And I, I know in the future we plan to do some more work with you on to create additional resources in the Divine Renovation Association. So for parishes that join the association, you're able to get more of Kate that way. And already, if people want more of you, you have, you're one of our co-hosts on uh, on Grandparents, a television uh, and uh, discipleship a uh, show that we have <laughs> that's currently on the Divine Renovation Association website. So for, for parishes that want more of you already, they can go check you out there. But guys, I, I know we're gonna we're gonna close it down. However, if people want to find more of you, Ron Huntley, where should they be looking for you? Instagram at RM Hunts or Twitter at Ron underscore Huntley. Not his middle name. Oh, we're still doing that joke. Uh, Father James Mallon, if people want more of your humor, where would they find you? <laughs> That's what you said last week. Uh, <laughs> at FJ Mallon. It's like a warning sign. That's like, <laughs> this is what you're going to get. <laughs> Kate, if people want to find more of you outside of the Divine Renovation Association, where should they be looking for you? Well, I tweet on behalf of the parish. So that's at Saint, spelled out BP. And my own Twitter handle is at K number eight, because isn't that fun? K8 Robinson. Excellent. Robinson. Uh, there's a couple other things I wanted to share. So uh, the Divine Renovation Apprentice, Father Simon Lobo's book. I've got it here again. And I was I was actually reading this uh, again yesterday. I have read it. But I was going through it again yesterday because we're looking at, I was looking for quotes for our social media mm. presence. There are so many awesome quotables in this book. It's yeah, a really I'll great the book. camera. Awesome. So it's it's a really really excellent. Those of book. you listening, just imagine Stare imagine me hold, imagine me holding a book up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also have a couple events coming up. Uh, the the biggest one, of course, is Divine Renovation 2018. That's the conference here in Halifax. Uh, there's roughly a hundred seats or so left. They're going to go fast. I, I know we mm-hmm. sold six just this morning, which was like an hour ago. Uh, so so they're going to go fast. So if you're interested in attending Divine Renovation 2018 here in Halifax with the whole team with Saint Benedict parishioners, which will have hundreds of on site. Mm. Uh, it's an amazing experience and it's a lot of fun. I know last time people absolutely loved it. So please register quickly. And meeting incredible people mm. from around the world who are passionate about parish, you know, the networking pieces. Yeah, we got countries, yeah. people coming from all over. So can you remember some of the countries off the top of your uh, head? Australia, about 40 people, 70, over 70 people from Germany. We get people from England, Scotland, from Ireland, from France, Malaysia, India. 
The United States, obviously, is the biggest one, but Canada is close behind. Which is a big improvement. Last time there wasn't yeah, any from yeah. Canada. But, Sackville, uh, Dartmouth. Those are communities nearby. Uh, Yeah, I don't know that we're tabulating those quite so closely. But yeah, so it's a big international crew, and I know the the opportunity for these people to network is just so awesome. And meet people in the Divine Renovation Network. And meet, yeah, because they're going to not just, they don't just have to hear from Ron Huntley and Father James Mallon. They can actually hear from parishes around the world that we've been coaching now for over a year. And wow, it's going to be, it's going to be an amazing experience. Uh, In addition to that, we actually have an event coming up in uh, May in the United Kingdom. And Mm -hmm. so we're, we're it's tagged on to, the leadership conference there, so LC2018 being hosted by HTB. Uh, so we've got a, a, a May 9th, there's a specific Divine Renovation Day. So for more information for that, you can check out our website at divinerenovation.net. I also understand that event's going to end up being sold out if, if, uh, if it keeps going the way it is. So it's another one where if you're going to want to attend you're going to have to register quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're going to LC18 or if you just happen to be somewhere nearby in Europe, uh, feel free to check out Father James is going to be there and uh, it's going to be an awesome day. Ron's uh, going to be there too. And uh, you're going to be there? I'm going to be there, yeah. Are you going to be there? No. Oh. I will not be there. Oh. I'll be praying for you, though. Well, you were at our last <laughs> conference. Kate, Kate, Kate helped to uh, present at, at the, our last conference in Twickenham in London. That's and right. you were with me in Paris the year before. Yes. Remember, that was a great, that yeah, was a great that conference was cool. as well. But not this time. Yeah, not that's okay. Time. All right, any other updates that uh, that people ought to know about? Check out our website. There's all sorts of and information. And please, pl- please keep us in your prayers. As always, mm-hmm. We this is not just, uh, it's not as... Scripture said it's not just against flesh and blood that, 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 that we fight. This is a, a spiritual reality and your prayers and your to continue to pray for your own parish. Be mindful of that. Praying for your own pastor, your own parish priest, your own bishop. Please pray for them. Pray for them to, be, to have the courage to, to move and to lean into, in, in, into being a missionary church. www.divinerenovation.net. And uh, thanks so much, guys. See you again.